Yeah, uh, if you haven't noticed it today, we're actually taking the show on the road. No, Three, two, one. We are live. We are live. Live? Live. This is live. Live. Oh, I thought this was taped. No, okay. no, no, no. It's a Hi. live record. It's a live recording. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, dude, I've been wanting to get you on the podcast for a while now. Super excited about it. I've been a huge fan for decades now. I've known you for decades. <laughs> Likewise. What are yeah. you talking about? Oh, my goodness. So, Hello. I want to try this, and I want you to do it for me, too. It's like, please tell me your Japanese story, story right? <laughs> please tell me your journey story. Yeah. Right. Dude, so we're going to go over that for sure, but for how sure. crazy was that? That was crazy. That, that was, was crazy that, show. I had a lot of fun doing that. Tell us about that show a little bit. That, was, that show was on for a total of nine and a half years. The actual show itself went on longer. My section, my corner, was on for about nine and a half years. Wow. And uh, the, first, the first, I think, three and a half, maybe four years yeah. was just me solo, uh, walking around with a big board, yeah. going around uh, town, basically inter interviewing Japanese people in English mm -hmm. um, and having them trying to give me a, a story background using the phrase of the day. It and, was hilarious. Um, yeah. It was hilarious. <laughs> so the thing was, you know, how bad are Japanese in speaking English? Right. And it was it was done comedically. It was done, you know, with, with the tongue-in-cheek sort of, and basically, you know, them trying to tell their story in Japanese first yeah. in English is basically where I took a piss out of them. Right. And it was, it was not that I was, you know, dehumanizing them or, or making fun of them per se, oh. but it, because I understood Japanese because yeah. I've been growing up here, I know exactly what they want to say and it would come out all, you know, mumble jumble. And that, that was just funny. Really, really funny. Yeah, it was really funny. Who came really up with the idea for that? I don't know. I, well, TBS, obviously. Oh. Um, and what the initial thing was, was I'd walk around the very, very I remember the very, very first board that I had mm. was eggplant, <laughs> just, just eggplant. Yeah. And, uh, the, the scenario was I would not, I could not speak Japanese. Right. So not a word of Japanese came out of my mouth when I first went to interview some of these people. Yeah. So I'd be like, okay, eggplant, eggplant. Okay. <laughs> what is eggplant? In Japanese, right. and they were like, hey, uh, tamago, tamago, uh, tamago shokubutsu. Uh, it's like, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, uh, what, what's tamago shokubutsu in English? And like, oh, egg puranto, you know, that, that sort of thing. So they were trying to get them to kind of, you know, vocalize their thought process yeah. of what the word meant to them. Um, and that was very short-lived because right. you could only do so many words. Right. And what would happen then is, you know, they'd want a little bit more of a, of a story. They'd want to, you know, broaden it a little yeah. bit. So they came up with a phrase, yeah. right? So um, the, the phrase would be, you know, embarrassed, right? right? And so you embarrassed story. Yeah, kind exactly. Of yeah. And so I would, you know, make it into a, a story. So that actually I coined the phrase, you know, the, please oh, okay. tell me your nanny nanny story. Ah. Because it would be, uh, I try to simplify the English as much as possible yeah. so that at least we could start communicating. Yeah. Because in the very, very beginning, I was only speaking English. And then after a while, they'd be like, okay, you know, forget it. Because yeah. we can't speak English and I don't understand what you're saying. You're not understanding what I'm saying. So I got back to the director. I'm like, dude, this is, you know, we're very, very limited with what we can work with. Yeah. I got to at least show that I can understand a little bit of what they're saying mm. to egg them on a little bit more so that we can, you know, go a little bit further and deeper. Yeah. And so then I would, you know, start throwing in one or two Japanese words and that would kind of put their guard down a little bit. Mm. And then we'd get a little bit more into the conversation. Don't you think it's hilarious though that, I mean... These I, just, I used to watch the show a lot, mm. um, but they 
study English mm-hmm. for like seven or nine years. Oh, it's crazy, yeah. And that's the level that they end up with. Exactly. Like in Denmark, we study, you know, German for seven years, I think. At, at the end of it, I spoke German. Right. Like at a normal conversational level, right. I was okay. I could hold it, you know, not a scientific conversation, but I could right. have some kind of conversation. Mm. But it doesn't happen here in Japan. Why is that? Because their English is, is very limited to just, you know, passing tests. Mm. It's not a functional English. It's not an English that, you know, is a survival English. It's basically, you know, learn a bunch of words, learn how to put, you know, grammar, mm. right? That, that's the first thing they teach them is grammar. Yeah. I, I mean, they don't teach us grammar, right? They don't teach Japanese grammar. You start yeah. off with, you know, I-U-A-O. Right, we start with the ABC, yeah. right, and then we, we we spit out words and we learn vocabulary and how to pronounce and so on and so forth. Yeah. But you know, they're like, okay, let's take the subject and the verb, and the, you know, it's like, what's a subject? <laughs> you know, what's a, what's a what's a uh, verb? What? What's with so. the David Letterman beard, man? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, since I've had a lot of my jobs canceled because of the COVID yeah. situation over here in Japan, and I did a lot of um, a lot of my jobs that I was doing were. Um, what is it? Uh, travel programs, right? Right, and so you know, I, I was I was kind of clean shaven, or I, you know, at least I went to your yeah, yeah. I had a nice, nice. little stubble going, yeah. and it was it was good trim there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and once I didn't have to show my face so much, I just kind of got lazy, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Let it grow, and <laughs> here we are. It looks good, you know, man. Six months later. <laughs> I mean, you take some serious balls to have a beard like that. You know, and and I have been approached about it. My my daughter has also, you know, been like, "Oh, daddy, I don't like your beard." I'm like, "Yeah, honey," but this is the first time I've actually grown a full beard. Right. I want to see what I can do with it. You know, and I want to see. You how don't far really know what it's going to look like until you until get there, you get right? There, right? <laughs> exactly, because it's always, you know, at a certain point, like, you know. Yeah. But um, so here we here we are. I'm. Doing it, I'm kind of still there. Where I'm like, I'd grow it for a week or two, and then it uh-huh. gets like, <laughs> <laughs> right. You have to pass that stage. Yeah, it's just like growing your, growing yeah. out your hair as well. You got to pass that that certain uh-huh. stage. I still shave cold. underneath here though. Yeah, because it just gets too itchy. Yeah, uh, but uh, your hair is like really long. I mean, it looks great on you. It looks suits your character, man. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. What what character is that? I don't know. Just, I don't know. The Dean Kemi's character. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Yes. Anyway, we got slightly sidetracked. Sidetracked there, a bit. Yeah. Um. So go back to the show there. Right. So the back to the show. Yeah, so you know, please tell me uh, and why Japanese don't speak English so well. It's because yeah. basically because of the, the the education system. It hasn't changed for the past fifty years. Wow, sixty years almost. Yeah, why yeah, would they not shame. try and fix that? They are trying to, but there's always you know, I guess there's too much bureaucracy. There's mm. too much red tape. There's too many people that are in a higher echelons of you know the education system that believe mm. that. And and I've I've been on the Japanese the Tokyo yeah. um, English Education Committee. Oh, um interesting basically yeah yeah and uh you know we, we the younger people were talking about like rakuten you know a guy from rakuten would come and he's like yeah rakuten has changed all english in in the company inside the company right they yeah. all, all in, internal comms is all done in english then. exactly so what if you don't speak so, english then you're not working for well, rakuten no no you but you'll you'll pick it up you'll learn because basically that's what's happening it's it's kind of a you know surrounding you know immersion i right. guess into into the english language but um you know some of these really older guys were like oh well you know kids shouldn't learn more than you know one language when they're starting off because they need to focus and you know i'm like dude that you is know, so I, wrong. I lived in Lebanon and Egypt, and you know, I, I, my first language was English, obviously, but I spoke Arabic and French, and then I came to Japan and I learned Japanese. I was speaking four languages at one point. You spoke Look at the Arabic? Europeans. That's nuts, I used man. to. Yeah. You lost it? I lost it. Oh. Nobody to speak with. That's yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's like I lost my German, too. Right? But, man, right. yeah, but it's true. But you're a living proof of that. Yeah. I met this kid 
mm. in Canada. Mm. So in Quebec, right? right? And so they speak French and English in Quebec. Mm. His uh, dad was uh, raised uh, Italian. Oh, ho. So there's th only three, three languages, right? right and then right. his mom was from Jamaica or something like that. Yeah, there was man. like another, <laughs> there was like, a, there was four different languages. And this kid, he was like a little, little monster yeah. running around, right? But he spoke in all the languages. Yeah. He understood, like, mm -hmm. could everything, you know, just pick up on it. Right. And there's, I mean, a lot of si science to back it up, you know, um, as far as languages and whatnot concerned. You know, the kids' brains are, are, are spongy. Yeah. They'll suck up anything. So what this guy was saying was like, dude, what are you talking about? You know, the yeah. more languages you, you, you put into the kid yeah. um, is, is better. And then we actually did a, um, a, a jintai jikken. What is that? A human experiment, uh, experiment <laughs> on, my, on, on my kids. Yeah. My very first kid. My uh, firstborn was, uh, we, we figured, you know, he's born in Japan. He's going to learn Japanese whether he likes it or not the minute he steps out of the house. Yeah. So we focused hardly you know, on English, a mm. lot on English. And the thing was, he, he, his English was so much better that he had a, a, a complex, I guess, towards Japanese. Ooh. So he wasn't speaking Japanese as we thought he would. So he was having difficulty communicating with grandma, for example. Oh. Um, so the second kid came along, we're like, all right, let's focus a little bit more on the Japanese, right? And we'll keep the English going. And his Japanese is great and his English was all right. Yeah. You know, and then we went, he went to an international uh, pre preschool. So, okay. you know, his English caught up and, you know, it's all great. Yeah. And so at the preschool, we're like, okay, so what, 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 what is the ideal situation for these kind of things? And they're right. like, well, if you're in an international marriage and then let's say the husband is, is American, for example, and the wife is Japanese, it's best for each respective parent to speak their respective languages to the kids. Yeah. Because what it is, is the kids do not differentiate between languages. They don't know the difference between Japanese and English. Right. What it is, is they learn that, you know, to speak to dad this certain way and to speak to mom this certain way yeah and you know boom when when they realize like oh i was speaking you know english to dad and japanese to mom and here we are bilingual kids so that's what we did to the third kid that's exactly what i did to my kids there you go i so, remember kate my firstborn mm -hmm. and so we know each other's children so right. we used to play together yeah. when we were kids and stuff like that. um but yeah so the first one i remember mm -hmm. i only spoke english to her uh -huh. so i regret that I didn't speak Danish to her. Ah, I right. could have spoken also Dan Danish, Danish to her. She yeah. would have picked it up, right? Yeah. I think she was about two and a half, mm. maybe three. Mm. And the first time when she spoke English, oh. I remember this very vividly. Mm. So I was, she was sitting down watching a, a Ghibli movie uh -huh. and uh, on the sofa. And it was just after breakfast. Mm. And I was like, okay, Kate, come on, we got to go. Because I had to go to work out. You know, mm. I don't drop her off at the kindergarten and right. then I needed to go work out. Mm. I was still fighting at the time, mm -hmm. training for fighting and stuff. Anyway, yeah. so she looks at me and she goes, but daddy, I want to watch the movie. <gasps> and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> and I said, now, okay, let's watch the movie together. <laughs> <laughs> training can wait. Yeah, I don't need to train today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so what do, you, what, do you, what do you like about the movie, right? Yeah, just uh, start communicating. Yeah, no, it was great. And on the flip side of that mm. is that um, I also remember the day that they realized that mm. I was that I spoke Japanese. Ah, and from there on, <laughs> it switches off, right? Yeah. So we're in the car and we're driving that really long uh, road trip with the whole family and everything. And I'm sitting up front driving mm. the car, which is Emily, my second daughter, sitting mm -hmm. beside me. And so she had some project for her schoolwork mm. where it was, she had to interview somebody. Okay. So I said, okay. Well, teach you the uh, the interview style right. stuff you know mm -hmm. get on the voice and everything and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, i did it in japanese mm. and she goes but you speak in japanese and i said no <laughs> was that japanese really <laughs> did, did you not pick up on me speaking japanese to your mom <laughs> 
So yeah, it was crazy. Oh. And then after that, she yeah. almost like instantly refused to speak English to me. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. So yeah. be careful of those human experiments. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, with the third kid, by the time the third kid rolled along, came along, we were basically it was all champon. Yeah. So we're at least speaking English and Japanese, you know, throwing it around. And the kids were very, very comfortable with that. And the oldest one didn't speak Japanese as much. Yeah. So they would have to communicate in English with the oldest brother. Wow. Right? And and then, you know. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there, it, was, it was a natural process of just yeah. both languages flying around all the time. And then we had a lot of international um, couples, yeah. right, that had kids that only that went to the international school since they only spoke English. And so we were always surrounded by people who were bilingual, yeah. which was which is great. They had nothing to sort of be wary of, yeah. right? And when they went to the Japanese school, um, I remember, because we were living in Setagaya at one point, mm. and then we switched over to uh, Tokyo, well, same Tokyo, but in um, Nishiazabu. Yeah. And in Nishiazabu, they had a, a Japanese school, which was a model, a role model school for all the other schools around that basically taught um, English, uh, sorry, Japanese as a second language. It was called uh, Nihongo Gakkyu. Yeah, and this yeah. was for all the foreign kids, because there's so many embassies around yeah. there, right? And it was a very, very international school. It was yeah. a local Japanese school, but all the kids, I mean, half the, half the school were like embassy amb ambassador kids, um, and the other half were Japanese, but even in the Japanese, we had, you know, the Koreans and the Chinese. and Yeah. The, yeah. So it was a really, really mixed school. And um, they had, so this this one class that, you know, a lot of the, you know, the kids that came back, the expats, yeah. right, the Japanese expats that would come back that had been spending a lot of time in, in, in you know, abroad mm. that didn't speak, you know, were, needed to catch up with the Japanese would go into this class. Or the foreign kids would go here to pick up on the Japanese first and then they'd be transferred back to a normal that's class. Amazing, so actually, that was, that was that's great. really cool. That's why we moved, actually, for that particular oh, school so yeah. we could, you know, chuck the kids in there. Should have told me about that one. Ah, <laughs> should have asked. <laughs> I was probably already divorced by that time, so mm, yeah. it no, is what it is. No, no, you no? weren't. No, no. No? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, you said Nishazabu, which kind of triggered something, right? So I know you used to live in that area, so you used to bump into you all the time. Heart and Beauty, Heart and Beauty, yeah. Because, yeah, it was uh, it was called Heart and Beauty, and now mm -hmm. it's called Crossway Nishazabu. Mm. So, yeah, we changed oh. the name and everything, and uh, right. the shop is still there. But So you used to come to Crossway. I did. Yeah. I did, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. Wow. How did you like that? <laughs> I, I actually enjoyed that. That was, you know, you were very gracious because, you know, I guess, you know, the notoriety of, of yeah, um, yeah, you come to my gym and it looks good for me too, and looks makes me look good because yeah. you know, I'm pumping up and stuff. Absolutely, but I enjoy that. I, I actually had a good time doing it, but yeah. I had you know knees. I've got knee trouble. Yeah, and I, I've got two titanium bolts in this knee, and then this knee is starting to wear down because of that. You know, yeah, I'm putting up with this knee, so that that started taking a little bit of toll on me. And, and, yeah. and CrossFit is really gung ho. You know, can be pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell me about <laughs> That's it. That's all I can uh, say. And then you know, once once you have like a little you know niche or a tweak or something, you can't quite go yeah. fully, and you got to take a little bit of a break. And that kind of started, I think, taking a little bit of a toll. But I, I really enjoyed it. I was I was. Cool. Know, I have actually, as we personally gone through a lot of uh, injuries. Mm. Um, for overworking and overtraining. I have two fake, uh, fake hips, hips, right? So I got right. hip replacements, right? And because of the hip replacements, um, when I start to lift heavy or if I do like the heavier mm. or bigger, stronger, uh, like CrossFit workouts, right. um, I get in pain. Mm. Like my knees start to swell up and oh. this and that. So I've completely stopped lifting heavy things. Mm. Um, and it's much better now. Yeah. yeah it's just and like, have you incorporated that into your like daily routine and the CrossFit? Sort well, of so... I don't teach anymore the CrossFit now, but oh, I, I go to the gym and work out. Uh huh. 
Um, but yeah. you still have your box, though. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. I just found a great manager and got a great team of it's coaches. The way to do it, and right? I just like, take a step back from it. Yeah. So becoming an owner finally. Yeah. <laughs> Two other cool things like the podcast yeah. that you're watching right now. <laughs> um, but no, but yeah, like training for me really, really changed over the years. Like I used to want to lift more, do more, you know, mm. be the best, be mm. the strongest, mm. do this. And it's just like I went through a, a good year and a half where I had swollen knees. Mm. And swollen knees is horrible, man. It's like you can't do anything, and you just and it feels like because there's this knot of water inside the knee, mm. and the backside, right? It feels mm. like there's something about to snap. So you're like, yeah, I got that. Yeah. But uh, I need you to tell me that story of how you smashed your knee the first time, though. Oh, jeez! <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, actually, just okay for 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 my own redemption, I was on Yokosuka base actually. Okay. And I was with a with my best friend at the time, <clears throat> and um, we were playing tag football, and yeah. I did. You know, they're like, oh, you're American, you know about football. I'm like, no, yeah, I'm growing up in Japan. <laughs> I don't know anything about American <laughs> culture, um, although I do hold the passport. And so they're like, yeah, yeah, we got to catch the ball and run and, you know, go tackle and do whatever. I'm like, okay. So I was running and this guy came towards me and I'm like, okay. And, you know, what getting, do you do? <laughs> what do you do? The guy just boom, runs oh. into me. And that's when it snapped. Ooh. And I was like, I heard, I heard two distinct snaps. Pop, pop. Oh and I just like, ah. and, I, and I tried to stand up and my knee just gave in. And I was oh. just like, oh my goodness. And then I stood up again, finally. I'm like, whoa. And all the blood just drained from me. I was yeah. just like, oh. I felt sick. I was just like, oh my goodness, something, something's not right. Something's right. not good. And at that particular moment in time, um, they were like, well, we're on the base. You're American. You know, you are a civilian, but, you know, we could take you into the emergency room right. and, you know, do just an arthroscopic you know, probably on the spot what? And, and it wouldn't be a problem. And so I'm like calling my mom, like, mom, you know, I just did my knee and she's yeah. like, no, don't, don't touch your knee. No, we don't, we, I don't want to, to, to freeze it, right? right? To, 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 to fuse it together. Huh. And I'm like, why would they do that? You know, but again, being mom from the older generation, if your knee is not working, they don't, you know, they fuse it and you're, you're limping for the rest of your life kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm like, but you know, this is American military High grade yeah. stuff. They're not gonna, you know, do anything to to screw with you. Well, you think about it. I mean, it's probably the best place to go. Exactly, like, because they, you know, They've are got trained it. to do the right thing. Right, emergency <laughs> yeah. situations. I mean, they need their soldiers back up there exactly. and, and going. And I was just like, mom. They're like, no. Mm. Nope, you're coming straight home. I'm like, oh, fuck. So, you know, I had this huge cast. I mean, they took me in, they checked it out and did whatever. But, and it, it, I think it was a torn meniscus at the time. Yeah. And they just left it. And I just left mm. it. Mm. So I was walking around for a while with this, this knee mm -hmm. that would, you know, occasionally slip. Oof. And I, you know, and I'd like, oh, shit. I'd be walking and I'd be like, oh, hey, guys. And I'd, you know, run to catch up. And all of a sudden it would like dislocate. Right. You know, I mean, you got this comfortable wedge right there, yeah. but it would just like, you know, pop out. Pop out. And I'm like, oh, damn. So I'd sit there and like pop it back in. Oh, sorry, guys. And come back. So that became a, a regular thing for me. Right. Then I went to university and I started doing fencing. Yeah. And it was okay. You know, I was like, oh, okay. All right. You know, I, I guess I was building muscle up around it. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally I came back to Japan. I was in Roppongi one night. Yeah. Yeah. And I was with Tomodachi's, a, for those of you who <laughs> does not know what Roppongi is, it is a uh, very a condensed area of a lot of drinking places. Yeah. <laughs> Bars, clubs, and, and oh, it's, it's like oh. a little nightclub area. Yo, totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would probably be very, a good comparison to like, you know, Pop Pong and, and Thailand yeah. or some other really sleazy, nice 
Yeah, raunchy places around yeah. the world. Yeah, you put those together, Roppongi. Yeah, yeah. And so you're in Roppongi. I was in Roppongi. You must have been intoxicated then. <laughs> oh, oh, intoxicated? Nah, inebriated. Yeah, I was like off my face. And I had a friend of mine who needed to go back to the station. I'm like, oh, I'll take you. And it, has, it was drizzling rain. It wasn't. It wasn't pouring. It was okay. just drizzling. Yeah. You know that 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 misty rain. And you got the manhole, right? That's not. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so you got the manhole that's not quite wet, but it's you know got it's like. It's little spittles of water on yeah. it. And I was like, okay, yeah. Just jumping over the, the manhole, and you know, first manhole, and jumping over the second manhole, and then jumping over the third manhole. I landed on the manhole mm -hmm. in my sneakers. And what happens when you land on a wet manhole? Just slip, exactly. So my knee just went, pump. And, and I was like, huh? <laughs> 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 but I was drunk, right? So I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. So I continued walking my, my girlfriend, my female friend, to the station. Yeah. And by that time, she was catching the last train. I'm like, ah, shit, I'm going to miss the last train. I'm like, eh. my knee started swelling up. I'm like, oh, it kind of is painful. Maybe uh, I can't go, I missed the last train. I'm going to go and drink some more to get rid of the pain. <laughs> that's <laughs> so the smart I'm thing bar to do. hopping, I'm literally hopping <laughs> yeah. from bar to bar. I'm like, oh. And I had a job the next day, too. Oh, my God. So I'm hopping and I'm drinking, getting rid of the pain. And by the time, you know, sunrise in Rapongi, over, you know, Roppongi Tower, <laughs> Tokyo Tower. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta go to work. Oh. Off my face. Knees like, I mean, it was it was three times the size. Wow. And I couldn't bend it. And a friend oh. of mine that was with me, he caught up with me later on. He's like, yeah. what's the matter? I'm like, I, I just can't, you know, he's like, yeah, where do you gotta go? I gotta, I gotta go to Ginza. I gotta get dressed in a tuxedo. I gotta hand out these cocktails. It's like one of those, you know, extra jobs, yeah. right? You hand out cocktails and you get paid 15,000 yen for the day or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I, I have to do that. I can't, you know, just cancel. So he's like, okay, I'll take you there. So I sit in this little car and I can't bend my knee. Yeah. So I have to sit in the back seat and I'm sitting in the back seat and then I go and I get dressed and all. And I just, you know, you're supposed to walk around handing out cocktails yeah. to the you know, guests that are coming to for this particular event. I just stood there and like, <laughs> here want a drink <laughs> want a drink and i just could not move and i'm like oh my goodness so i went to the doctor later on they pulled out 50 cc of fluid from my knee Ugh. i mean we're yeah 50 how about this like yeah, 300 something yeah half a can of this maybe of just fluid i mean it was just like uh you know I mean, it looks like all, it looks all yellowish yellowish it? right it's really weird and it was mixed with blood as well yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was like like dirty yellow nasty muddy. this was exactly what i was going through in, with my knee there a couple of years ago oh wow it was just like on a regular basis go and get that sucked right? out and, and when you get it sucked out on a regular basis yeah. what happens is you develop a pocket and so it becomes habitual for the body so the body apparently recognizes that as ah. something that it needs to do it needs to fill it up because uh, now no there's good no yeah. exactly and that's something that i learned Aww. And I was like, okay, shit. So even if it swells up, because I went to an acupuncture doctor. Right. I, I go, dude, I got this like swelling in the knee. You know, can you pull it out? He's like, no. Like the body puts it there for a reason. Yeah. And if he wants, you know, and the reason is to basically to either lubricate it or to protect it or, you know, to keep it from getting banging Worse, around right. too much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so what do I do? He's like, just leave it. When the body is ready and it feels that it's you know healed enough, it'll mm. it'll retract all the liquid that it has put forth. Interesting. I'm like, wow. You I'll know, tell this you is, this something is else you medicine. can do. You can do something else for it though. Yeah. There's something called PRP. Uh huh. Chop your leg off? No, 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 no. <laughs> not like that. Well, you could do that too, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, no, PRP is a plasma-rich platelets, mm. which is they take um, two vials 
of your own blood, uh-huh. and then they spin it. Ah, so and it separates the white blood cells, the exactly. plasma, and, and the, so yeah. the the yeah, so the exactly it separates them into three portions basically, mm-hmm. and then they take the middle part of it, which uh-huh. is the PRP, plasma rich platelets, and then they inject it into whatever area that is uh, specifically for knees. It works good on. Wow. Uh, so I I got my knees healed through that. Really? Yeah. I'm really like for real, wow. really, really healed from that. I really and then like to talk to you about that. Later. When I, well, we can talk about it now, but wow. I mean, you go to Juntendo, I'll introduce you to the doctor oh, and everything. Wow. They have a specific clinic for PRP. Wow. Uh, and you kind of have to get like introduction from someone to get in there. Right. I got an introduction through one of my members who is a, mm. works in, in for hospitals and stuff like that. He's like, wow. you should try this out. You know, go talk to these guys. That is awesome. So That's I, uh, yeah, I can introduce you. Kobayashi oh, Sensei, oh, really please. great guy. Um, and so what happens is, is uh, I remember the first time I had it done because I was in so much pain. I couldn't squat down. I couldn't even straighten my knee out. Mm. It was just like kind of stuck in this gray limbo area, right? Mm. Go in, spin the blood. Get the injection. It's on, all done in one day? So that day, yeah. Wow. The only, the only thing that takes a while is just for waiting for you to get your turn. Right. Um, yeah, but then they inject it, and then, you know, they send you home. You walk home. Like, I was walking completely normally really? out of the hospital. I was like, holy shit, this feels so good. I did the thing I shouldn't have done. I went straight to the gym and started deadlifting. <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, went, I literally went in on the, on the same day and I, p- I pulled, I think, 180 kilos on the floor. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's like, so I don't do that anymore. Um, well, yeah. Um, but if you did yeah. screw your knee up, then you could always You'll go, go back. Go back and, yeah. So oh. they say if it works. Because hmm. uh, it's your own blood. There's no allergic reaction. Yeah, exactly. Right? There's nothing yeah, there. Yeah. No, there's nothing but good stuff, right? Mm. If it works, it works like a miracle almost. Wow. And so it works like a miracle for me. But sometimes right. it doesn't work like that. Mm. But it's definitely worth a, worth a, a try, chance. Yeah. Yeah. It's very experimental, apparently. Mm. It's, I think it's standard procedure from the rest of the world. But in Japan, right. it's very experimental. Right, right. And so, uh, yeah, it's about uh, it's about $300. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, 200 mm. I think it's a Niman Nanasen. Right. Well, I mean, if it's, if it's, you know, if it lasts for a while, then... It's, Totally worth it. It's not something that you need to go in, you know, every... I did. So I ended up doing, I think, twice. Mm. They say if the... Depending on how bad your knee is, you right. could get fixed in one, or you could do two or three three injections. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, anything more than five, then it's just not working. Right. And okay. But I mean, they, they take an x-ray, an MRI, or a CT scan, or whatever, of the yep. knee first yep. to yep. see what the initial problem is. They do everything. Did, did you do... What was it like... Well, for me, it's deterioration of your meniscus or your... One of my meniscus is only half size. Oh, wow. Because that was taken out when I was 26. Oh, yeah. I've been through a lot. (laughs) Uh, I think, what is it now? Eight or nine operations and 17 broken bones over the years. Well, (laughs) (laughs) you're only kicking the shit out of people, you know. I'm getting the shit kicked out of you too, but, you know. So I've been through everything there. But so my knees this time, I don't even know what was wrong with it. It was just, it just started swelling up. But I think it's because when I'm running and and lifting heavy stuff, right, Um, the pressure that you normally have Mm. inside your meniscus, also in your hips, is, is less. Right, so the knees are working overtime because I got fake hips. Right, so I shouldn't be running at all. Right, I mean, you know, running is good for those who can do it, but apparently yeah. for those who are not, you know, geared towards running, a running puts a lot of strain. I mean, on the joints, yeah, a lot of From strain. Also, and also depends on how you run. 
Uh, like, how is your stride? You know, because mm-hmm. like you got the the the, the true form heel running. First, right? Right. The heel first is like that should never be taught to anyone. Right. Take mm-hmm. your shoes off. You cannot run with heel first. Mm-hmm. No one strikes with a heel if they got bare feet. Right. So um, if you haven't been taught how to run properly and you mm-hmm. just run in this one pattern where you're running heel striking, basically mm-hmm. you're smashing your knees, you're right. smashing your hip joints mm-hmm. and everything, and it's just not healthy. It's really right. not healthy. Um, but fitness has many faces. Like I said, I mm-hmm. I've changed my view on fitness I, I, over the wow. decades. You know, mm-hmm. I used to. Train to fight right which was specific training for fighting mm-hmm. you know um and then it became just fitness and then it became right. lifting and then mm-hmm. it was so but i've gone through many different phases right we're actually in the process of working on an app now oh fitness awesome. app now for, so you can work out at your house wow do you want to be a guinea pig yeah man i got you know i got my uh my thing there i do my pull-ups on and yeah. you know with a hammock hand yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. nice i got my little ab roller that oh, i'm working cool. on yeah i got the beach right down there man exactly start doing uh surfing soon yeah i never surfed before you and never I, surfed I, before. isn't that crazy yeah beach huh. is right there and i grew up in this area right you're from surfed. here right yeah so you born in japan no i was born in new york uh-huh. and then from new york um my mom basically took me around the world. She uh, she was a single mom at the time, mm-hmm. and she took me to the Bahamas. So we were in the Bahamas for a while, and then she went to Lebanon um, and doing what some jur- doing? journalism and stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. interesting. And in Japan, I mean, sorry, in Lebanon, she met my my Japanese stepfather. Okay. And that is where they hooked up, and the war broke out. Uh-huh. And so, and he was regional director of the Middle East for Japan Airlines. Oh, okay. Very convenient, yeah. So as they were closing all the airports and the flights were being canceled and so on, I think we took like the third to last plane out of Lebanon to Egypt, and that was hijacked uh, from what I remember. Yeah. You were in a hijacked airplane? <laughs> I was in a hijacked airplane. What? It was, it was on the ground for a Holy. couple of hours. And then finally, they, I, I don't know, they, I guess they convinced the guys, and they ran off. Oh, my God. And, and then, boom, the doors shut, and we were off to, to Egypt. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. But you don't remember that? I, 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 I mean, I vaguely, uh-huh. very, very, like, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> snippets off of, wow. of, of memory, yeah. Uh, recently, uh, you know those, uh, the Saigen drama? Oh, when yeah. they have those stories about, I was I played the negotiator. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the hijackers. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. I'm talking about acting. Right? So I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure about your background. Maybe mm-hmm. you could just tell us about how you started with entertainment industry and why did you start with it? Um, okay. Um, I, I have always liked being in, you know, in front of people and, and sort of making a fool of myself and entertaining, basically. And, um, and, and not in Japan necessarily. So, well, in Japan... Right when I first went to local Japanese school, mm. right, I was the only gaijin kid in the school. So everywhere I went, like, oh, gaijin da. I'm like, <laughs> me? What the, what the hell? Right. So everywhere I went, I always I had attention, whether I liked it or not, whether right. you know, I deserved it or not. But um, and, and you know, in, in, in the classroom too, uh, a lot, my classmates were really cool. Right, but we'd have like the rest of the school that would come down at break time, you know, you know, look in and you know, face against the window, and you know. So my my friends, after a while, would would kind of get sick and tired of that, and they would close all the curtains. Aw, really interesting. Sweet. Yeah, that's, really sweet. I mean, they had, it is strange though. Like, I mean, mm. but that's only what you're fifty now, right? I'm fifty now. Yeah, yeah. So that's what like forty years ago, basically. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it's not that long ago. Old. No, when you think about it, yeah. <laughs> Right, so Japan has had a lot of catching up to do, and this was Fujisawa. This is just down the road. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm the only guy in that particular school, so it's pretty whack. Yeah. You can you can imagine how <laughs> how countryside it was back then. Oh, that's but, funny. Um, so that started off like that, and then we went. My dad got transferred to Singapore, uh, so we you know obviously followed him, 
And we were there for about two years, and that's when they transferred me over to um, an English school. Okay. Right. So I was in the British school. My mom's British, and she has this, you know, thing about American being too in your face, and then and then. So she <laughs> went to the English school. So I went in the British school. And do you feel British? I don't. Oh. I don't. I don't feel American either. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. I don't. I'm. I'm. You have an American passport. I do. I do because I was born in the states. Ah, you were born there. Yes, okay. Right. So I'm born in the states. I'm natural American citizen. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, right. So yeah. That's the. Uh, but she's British, and so she never got the green card. She just kind of went over there and. Dude, that's so her. weird, man. So you have an American passport, and your mom doesn't, right? Right. How does that make sense, right? <laughs> well, she. You well, know, uh, I guess you know. Being British, again, you've got access to a lot of countries, yeah. right? America and passport also has a lot of access to a lot of countries as well. Yeah. So everywhere we went basically was, you know, either British or American friendly. Right. Um, but uh, so in Singapore, uh, the British school, I did my first drama, my first play. Okay. Play school drama. A school drama, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And there I was like, I guess, I guess the main, the lead role or, or you know, runner up. And, you know, the, the performance, I guess, went off really well. And everybody was, you know, clapping, applauding. And, you know, that kind of gave me a rush. And I was like, wow, I'd like this. This is, yeah. this is the kind of attention that I'd like. Not, you know, the gadget. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But um, so, and then I guess one of my mom had a run-in with one of the teachers. She's like, ah, I can't deal with this school anymore. And the next best option was the American school. Right. So I went to, uh, they switched me over to the Singapore American school, where, which were more um, accepting of the fact that, because I had grown up in Japan, my first Right, four years of elementary school, I couldn't read and write English. Oh, I was yeah. speaking it. My mom was like, you know, an English teacher, so she was like beating me with, you know, trying to <laughs> beat English into me. But it, it never really, you know, it never really stuck. And so she switched me over to the American school. And the American school was like, yeah, we got a lot of dyslexic kids. You know, they're more open-minded as far as these things are concerned. So you know, I, I caught. I was able to gradually catch up. But I, they had obviously plays there too, the you know, school dramas. Right. So in Robin Hood. Right? Ah. I was Little John, for yeah, example, because cool. <laughs> you know, I was the big kid. Um, and then we had another another play, I guess, um, th that that we did as well. That was all all well received. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I really like this. Is this is the kind of thing that I'd like to do? When we came back to Japan, um, I went to St. Joseph's, which was okay. in uh, Yokohama. It's not there anymore, unfortunately. But that was an all boys school. Yeah. And um, there, I was in the drama department as well. I uh, did a bunch of plays there, and then also I was in the the speech contest. So oh, I would, okay. You know, and the speech contest is all about you know being pre presentation in yep. front of a whole crowd of people. So that kind of seemed to be you know where my forte, my flair, sort of lay. And so I, I continued pursuing that. So when I graduated, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the states. This is my dream. I've got it all set up. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to New York. Right, and go to this particular you know university because I couldn't get into the other higher, more expensive <laughs> ones. But I'm like, you know, this this Francis Ford Coppola went there, yeah. Christopher Walken went there. Oh I'm, yeah, that's where I'm going. So I went there, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to graduate there. I'm going to go to Broadway. I'm going to start off in Broadway, and once I've you know once I've set my foot in there, crushed it my there, name, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go to Hollywood. Okay, and then boom, I'm a Hollywood star, and we're all good. And I went to university. Uh, I was there for about two and a half years. Yeah. And it was it was mayhem. It was crazy. The drama department was just full of weird people. Right. And I mean that's justifiably so. You know, you can't be in a sane state of mind to be a you know drama department person because 
you know, you're, you're, you're constantly schizophrenic playing different people. And it's okay. But, you know, I just, I had a lot of backstabbing going on. I had a lot of, you know, uh, people pulling people's feet and, you know, and, and just yeah, trying to. I could see that. Know, yeah. yeah. And it, 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 I was like, this is something I really love doing. It's, you know, it's a passion of mine. I don't want this to bring me down and to make me have a negative, you know, feeling towards this. And plus, at the same time, this girl that I was going out with dumped me and I mean, she's oh. my first love. And I was like, ah. Life is all over. <laughs> <laughs> all over, all over. And then my grades just, just shot down and it was just like, oh, a mess. Yeah. And so my guidance counselor was like, Thane, we got two options. You know, you, you can continue this way, but I don't see your grades improving and you're going to get kicked out. Um, and, or you could take a temporary leave of absence and, you know, you'll, you'll waste a semester worth of tuition, unfortunately. You know, sorry, dad, but, yeah. you know, get your shit together, come back and just start where you left off. At least then these grades won't count. Right. Right. You can erase those. I'm like, oh, okay. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I came back temporarily mm -hmm. and I started working at uh, one of the extra gaijin, extra agencies okay. in Tokyo. Yeah. IMO. And I was like, okay. Right. So I went there and I signed up and, you know, the, the boss was there, happened to be there. And she was like, oh, you know, you speak Japanese. I'm like, yeah. You know, I grew up here. She's like, oh, <laughs> work for me. I'm like, what do I do? She's like, oh, you can be, you know, manager. Right. right? Ah. So, right. So, you know, you cast people. You, you know, here's the list of, you know, files of thousands of people. Yeah. You know, um, she taught me the whole, you know, trick of the trade. Basically, yeah. you get a call from the, the, the casting agent or, you know, the, or the TV station. You know, they're looking for 10 white guys. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, okay, oh, here, Nicholas, put him down, mm -hmm. you know, and put all these, uh, Paul, put him down as well. You know, I got, okay, seven more people. And, oh, wait a minute, put myself down, right? <laughs> yeah, and she's exactly. like, that's what you got to do. I'm like, okay. And so I take these guys and I'm like, you know, acting as well as being the manager. Right. So I'm translating, interpreting. So I'm like, you know, playing manager kind of thing, role manager. And uh, so I get paid for doing the extra job as well as being a managerial job. And I'm like, this is, this is great. great. Yeah. Right. And, my, and as soon as I got here, the first job I got, a regular spot, was on NHK teaching English. Just doing, like that, boom. Just like that. She called up NHK. She's like, I got this guy who speaks Japanese and English. You know, he's from the drama department in the States, <clears throat> right? And, uh, you know, what do you see? So I went to the audition. I'm, hi, how you doing? I'm Thane. Nailed it. Oh, wow. Nailed it. And then, you know, you That's start next cool. week. I'm That's like, really shit. cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I had my, my first regular, regular job on NHK doing, you know, this, the phrase of the day, skits with this other girl. Right. And, um, yeah, and that went on for six months. And <laughs> then I had a fallout with, you know, the agency. But um, by this time, another guy who had previously been here started his own agency. Right. And he was introduced to me through another friend, yeah. a, a casting agent. And so we got together and he's like, okay, I'll get the money, you know, to, to, to make the agency. You get the, the guys in. I'm like, no problem. Yeah. So I'm calling all my, you know, the guys that I worked with before. And you know how it goes, right? And the extra, there's no exclusivity. No, not really. Right. Yeah. So you can, you know, call these people that are registered with five other agencies and go, hey, we just started an agency. Please register with us as well. You know, and then yeah. the jobs that we get. And it's all about who calls who first, right? So it's such a bizarre world when you think about it. Because, and... Um, yeah, because it opens up for this rabbit hole, I feel, uh -huh. about, you know, yeah. how we are treated as, you know, talent mm. in Japan. Mm. Mm. And so, for me, you're probably, like, the most successful when you were at your top. Yeah. Right? You had, like, what, how many regular oh, shows in 11? one time? 11 regular Including shows. Including radio as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's nuts. I know, right? Dude, you were so <laughs> famous, it's crazy. Mm. How was, was that? It was, it was nuts. I mean, it was it was it was nice. Yeah. Um. You know, and when you when you when you're starting off, it's like yeah, right. And yeah. you know, I'm not married. I've got you know three different girlfriends, and then <laughs> I'm like yeah, living it up. 
Um, and, but you do get a little cocky, I guess, you know, yeah. because, you know, everybody's, everybody wants you and everybody wants a piece of you. And, you know, and everywhere you go is like, oh, you know, things, can I take a picture? You know, can I get an autograph? Can I have, you know, shake your hand? And it's, it's nice. I mean, it's, you know, it really, yeah, <laughs> the ego <laughs> becomes huge. And, you know, and after a while, you know, I, I guess I got a little, little snobby. And um, I, had, I had actually one of my managers who, who was a good friend also, but you know he he would he would drive me around, yeah. <clears throat> right? But one time I was like waiting for him to open the door for me, <laughs> and he looked at me and goes, "What the fuck went up your ass?" <laughs> and I was like, "What? Open, open my door? Open my door? Right? I am king thing? <laughs> exactly." <laughs> He's like, "You open your own fucking door." I'm like. Okay, yeah, you know, and that that put me back in my spot. You know, that that broke my little nose, and I was like, I gotta, yeah, I gotta, you know, slow down a bit. This is this is not yeah. good. Um, so that that humbled me a bit, and I was also kind of approached by other people who were basically teaching me life's lessons right. on on you know being a little bit more humble. Don't forget, and in Japanese they say ne, shoshin wasurebekarazu, right? Remember where you first started off. Yeah. So that you don't get too cocky, and you know you, you remember. Those, I think those it's times. I think it's very easy to be to become um, mm. drunk on your own fame. Yeah, like you get to a point where it's like, for example, when I fought in two thousand one and beat Musashi in the final, with forty eight percent on the TV ratings on Nite, forty percent. That is nuts, right? That, that is, is crazy. crazy. Half yeah. of Japan is watching yeah. you. I couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, like, like and then you know I just thought. It was Cool as fuck, right? Right. Like super yeah, anywhere. You, shit. Yeah, but you go you go to Rapongi, right? And right. you're going to a bar and everyone's just buying you champagne. Right. Boom, and, boom, yeah. You know, I just remember randomly. I went into a bar and it was there with another K1 fighter, right? Mm -hmm. And within three minutes, mm -hmm. we had 20 women standing around us and other guys trying to like buy us drinks and right. shots, right? And it's just like, okay, I'm loving this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did a lot of silly things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Different world, but yeah. same, same. Yeah. So actually, it's really funny because when I saw you jogging in Yoyogi Park, That's I was right. living right by Yoyogi Park one day, and I was like, "Oh, there's Nicholas Pettis as he's jogging by me." And and we, I was like, "Oh my God, oh, no, I didn't know that." And we kind of our eye to eye, and we just kind of did the you know the kind of uh -huh. uh, <laughs> Right, and as he walked by, I'm like, oh, 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 Nicholas right? <laughs> Yeah, you just said hi to me, Nicholas Pettis. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that was really cool, really cool. Yeah, that, I, that was probably at our. I think that was yeah. We were really, yeah, yeah, really, but now yeah, high peak there for sure. But and then we started becoming friends, and I don't want to start. Mm. Where did that start from? I'm not sure, but some something we something started, happened I think with the kids or something. We started bumping into each other a little yeah. bit more often, and we yeah. realized we were in the same neighborhood. Yeah, because I was in Yoyogi as well, yeah, and yeah. you were in. Yeah, yeah, that's and, right. Uh, yeah, sorry, like, yeah. You guys, you guys used to come over for barbecues and stuff like that. I remember right? Those exactly. good times, good times. Mm. Um, but yeah, getting uh, wow. drunk on your on your, on your own, own fame. fame yeah. Okay, so I've got two things I want to go over now. Okay. Two more things right now. I'm going to take this moment to deep dive Ooh. into some of the uh, the thing cameos, um pictures, pictures that I could find online. Pictures. Yeah. So you I'm gonna find pictures. So oh I'm gonna goodness. yeah. I'm gonna show you the picture. Oh no. And then you're gonna tell me what's really going on there. Mm. I'd like to if start with. Remember. I'd like to start yeah. with this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, what is on with that hair? <laughs> that was for a part. I was. That was for um for a, an an adult <clears throat> sentai mono mm. called Garo. So Garo is you know for um it was like a midnight midnight Kamen Rider like hero yeah. right it was sort of like the the dark hero series. 
and um, the the guy it was it was kind of it, it dealt with this world and that world. Oh, yeah, and, interesting. Um, right, and I was I was a I was a guy that was possessed oh. by one of the demons from that world, and that was that particular one. I was uh, the Zodiac. The Zodiac. I was like the Zodiac killer, sort of almost. Oh wow! So everything was you know I, I would I, my victims I would take their souls and I turn them into stars. Right, because I, I, I apparently before I became possessed, I was I was a, um, an astrologer or something like that, or okay. in love with the heavens or whatever. And <laughs> so when I got possessed, that was my thing. I would like wow. suck the life out of them, take their souls, and put them up in the sky. Put them up in the sky, yeah. Interesting. So I was like, ah, oh, look at my beautiful collection of stars. So because you started in school drama acting, mm. which do you prefer? And that's a really good question: mm. live stage acting or you know TV movie drama stuff? Wow, and I and I've done both, obviously, yeah. and and I find. The live acting on stage is is very, very. Uh, you you really feel the authenticity of what's happening because you can't turn it back. You can't say cut. All right, let's go back in there. We do yeah. it right. You you forget a line. You got to improvise or you have someone you know kick you in you know in the shin and be like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's a, there's a lot of. Um, I, I feel more alive doing that in yeah. a sense there's a lot going on, I think, yeah. you know, that you can't really turn back. And yeah. so you get a raw material, you know, you've, you've practiced it a million times, but still anything can happen. And then in the Japanese, they say, you know, uh, right? There's a mm. monster lives on the stage. Um, so talk about, this is oh, life saving action. Really Kyogen, well, right? Kyogen. Yeah, yeah, so this is on stage as yeah. well. I guess this is going to be a, a wipe or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Dumb funny me to always put them up there. Of course! Yeah. So this so, is good, right? Because I did this one too. Yes. Now this one is uh, Yokoso Kyogen. Mm. So this is uh, me introducing Kyogen to foreigners. What is now, Kyogen in a nutshell? Okay, Kyogen in a nutshell is the one of the oldest Japanese forms of entertainment. Basically, there's no... Right with the masks and mm -hmm. the music in the background, and it's very slow moving, and it uh, basically uh, deals with this world and the world beyond. Okay. Right, and that that bridge that they come out—that's kind of the, the bridge that bridges the two worlds. The yeah. two worlds, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's more serious. It's more like an opera, basically. Okay. Um, Kyogen is the twin brother or sister of Ono, and it deals with the everyday comedic side of life. Yeah. And so. They were both born of the same sort of mother, if, right. you, if you will. Um, and one was, you know, slow operatic and the other was, you know, the entertainment side of things. Yeah. And so they've always come sort of hand in hand. And they've been going, it's been going on for about 600 years now. That's crazy. And it's, yes, yeah. it's an old Japanese I think what is most amazing about it, and I didn't know that until mm. I, I did, I did something called Gendai Kyorian. Right. Which is, is more modernized. Right. right. They, they, Took the old and the new, and they yeah. kind of combined it to see what you know. But they still made us, you know, move in a certain way yes. and speak in a certain way. Right. But the cool thing about this Kyogen is that they they convey these fantastic stories, but they use zero props. Right. There are no props. Right. It's all the imagination yeah. and how well the actor yeah. can, you know, entice your imagination to come forth. I'm never doing that again, by the way. No, no. The why? training for that show, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> oh, it went on for hours and hours and hours, yeah. and hours days. like days and yeah. weeks and months. Yeah. Yeah. And they kept changing the script. And and on the spot, yeah. right? And they, they, we do, I think we did 13 performances at the end of it, something like that. No, it was it was, it was 10 years. So there's 10 altogether. Oh. I did number four. I think you did number five. Oh, no, or I number mean six. The actually when we actually performed it. 
Oh. So I think we did 10 locations, 13 locations. locations. That's yeah. right. That's right. That is correct. And so well, every location was done. Mm-hmm. They pulled me aside and said, oh, Nick, we need to change your lines. Right. That's again true, yeah. and again and again. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So what's going on here? <laughs> oh. Oh, wow. Um, when is that? What is that? <laughs> Holy crap! I cannot remember. That was that just, was just hilarious. Pretty she looks young. like you're twelve or something. Pretty um, young. Oh my goodness. So anyway, this one here that was just for fun though. Okay. But what's this one here? So tell us about that. Oh, okay. So because of the notoriety from Karakuri, yeah. right? The the English um, uh, storytelling story, yeah. storytelling program, and that by the way, t- speaking of of ratings, our highest rating I think was twenty five percent. Oh wow! So for a you know, variety show yeah, that's Sunday good. night, twenty five percent is like boom. Yeah. But um, so because of that, they're like, okay, you know, they started calling me sensei, <laughs> right? I'm like, dude, I don't have any, you know, <laughs> certification for being an English teacher. But all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I'm the English guy, right? I'm like the please tell me your story guy, yeah, right? The uh, English please guy. So you know, they, they started calling me. You know, I, I started getting jobs for right. how to improve English. <laughs> I don't know how you improve English, you know, this is how you do it, this is how I think you should do it. And that was my my whole shtick, you know, I would go around, you know, the countrysides and whatever, and the schools would call me and, right. yeah. So, um, naturally, I would get book offers, right? right? So, Thane's English. That's you know, great, isn't it? Yeah. It, it would, I mean, wow, dude, I, I, I put out like six that. books. How much money would you make in, in a good year like that when you were top 11? When I like, was top. And yeah. this is something I found out after I went through a whole mud-slinging disaster with my my previous agency, my oldest agency. Yeah, tell us about that story because I really want to know what happened. Wow. Um, Well, I was I was you know at at my hiatus, I was getting um, you know two point five million yen a month. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is great. I mean, pff, no, I wasn't complaining. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. But for the work <laughs> but, you're doing, that's but ridiculous. But for the work I was doing, and and then you know, I always got the excuse, you know, oh, you still have a little bit more to to achieve. You still, you know, you're not quite, you know, there at the top yet. You know, no, 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 no. I was, I was being brainwashed, and and I was like, man, two point five million is not. That's no, that's bad, great money. Right, it's great money. And so I was not complaining. So that's like it's twenty five thousand dollars, approximately, roughly, yeah, yeah. A monthly, right? Yeah. A month. So that's good. Yeah. A month, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So you know, again, you go your your standard of living goes oh, yeah. up there as well, oh, and, yeah. and you're buying shit that you don't need. And anyway, that's another story for another podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, and and you know, they they started abusing the the fact that I was exclusive with this particular agency, and you know, the last straw that broke the camel's back was when they flung this contract in front of me, saying, "We own you." Right, wow. you signed this for ten years. I'm like, but I can't read kanji. I don't know what I signed, but I, you know, in good faith, I've been signed it just to you know keep it going. Yeah. So you know, I, I lost my shit, and I was like, I can't work with you people anymore. Yeah. And uh, there was a huge you know lawsuit in the courts and so on and so forth. And because of that, I found out I was able to find out because all oh, the records have to be oh, shown. Oh, you have to open up the books. Hey? I was making fourteen million. <laughs> At my, my, my top. A uh, month, a month. On a, a month? A month. So there's $140,000 yeah. on a monthly basis. And, yeah. and they were giving you 25000 Yeah. Oh, my God. This is like right? so but, but, Japanese agent. 
<laughs> Thank you for the beeps. <laughs> I don't know how this may be using me speaking. Uh, uh, Tomas, if you haven't noticed it today, we're actually taking this show on the road. No shit, Sherlock. This is our first road trip. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. so that's why we're actually filming in your house. We wanted oh, to yeah. test it out and see if we could get the same kind of feeling. Wow, cool. Otherwise, it would have been amazing to have you in the chair. Wow. The chair that Konishki sat in. Chair. Yeah. Oh, Konishki sat in a chair? Yeah, <laughs> he did. I had to pull him out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually bumped into Konichan not too long ago, Sally. He was at Fukuoka Airport. Oh, yeah. I was like, Sally, he's like, oh. Yeah, with Chia Chan. He's hilarious. Oh, he's that guy. great. He's so I good. Love the guy. Anyway, so you were making so, 140000 a month, uh, and they were month. giving you twenty five. But on the average, on the average, I mean, when you averaged out, so that was like my best month, I think yeah. it was. But um, on the average, it was like basically $10 million yen. Fuck. So, you know, it was like, yeah, <laughs> eight. 80-20. Usually it's 80-20 the other way around, right? Well, yeah. The talent gets 80 and, you know, the, or, or in some cases, I mean, you know, 70-30 or, yeah. you know, 60-40, but it's hardly ever 50-50 unless, you know, It should never whatever. be that. It should right. never be. What do they, they do? They don't do anything for that. They right. just pick up the phone. Exactly. And tell exactly. you where to go. <laughs> right? Yeah. And who's the one that's doing all the Guarantee. I mean, this is what I've seen in Japanese agencies those days. They, they, they don't know how to manage um, mm. the talent. Mm -hmm. They say they do. They have right. all these fancy firms, but they really, right. all they know how to do is to pick up the phone. Mm. Right. I have been very, very rare occasions here in Japan, actually seen them go out and create jobs. Mm. Like, for example, I was very impressed when I was uh, had a conversation with my with my agent, which mm. I like very much, actually. We got a great relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and I was talking to her about different things, about fitness and food and this and that. Mm. And I was like, yeah, you know, could be a book. Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, let me, uh, let me talk to Kodansha about that. Wow. Well, like a month later, we were at Kodansha, getting interviewed about the project of making a book wow. and like two months later we'd started writing it so Excellent. I came up with book. so it is possible mm -hmm. but I mean I think that you have to pull the gaijin card right where you like you push them to do something yeah. otherwise they really don't do much right unfortunately we're going to continue for sure but mm -hmm. I want to hear more I want to hear like for example what was the dumbest thing you did with your money back in the day because oh. I'll tell you what I did <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest thing well you see I, I, I wasn't so much into you know the luxuries of life so to speak. I mean, if I had received what I had, what I what I should have been yeah. receiving, I probably would have bought a house. Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. Of course. But I brought a gift for you today, though. Oh, and since I thought that it, you know, could be something we could have a have a look at together. Uh huh. I okay. just want to say thank you for being on the podcast. Oh no, so thank you for having me. Grab one of these. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Camus. The Camus. The Camus. It's a brandy. Excellence. Cognac, wow, dude. This, this is, is a fantastic bottle. I've never tried it, but I thought we could try it together. This is the good shit. Yeah, this is the good oh, shit. Oh, man, the real good shit. Anyway, wow. let me open it up and pour Please. some little glasses in and we'll oh, see how it goes. Oh, it comes with these fancy glasses, too. Look at that. That's like a, a grappa glass, yeah? You know what I did with my money? What did you do with your money? That well, the first thing I bought was a Harley Davidson. A Harley Davidson. Yeah. Okay. I straight in and bought a soft tail uh. in cash. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it great when you can do that, right? Yeah. Kabam! Yeah. I want that. <laughs> I want to ride it home today. Day. Thank you. <laughs> and then wow. I needed a car. Uh huh. So I went in and I saw at the time that you know the Odysseys. Yes, they yes, were like yes. kind of popular back in the day. Uh, wow, that looks a, beautiful. Didn't you get a Cadillac? Oh, ooh. Yeah, later on I got a Cadillac. Wow. And that was also one of the stupid things to buy, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't buy that in cash. Thank God for that. <laughs> but. I went down to a store, mm -hmm. like a car shop, right? uh -huh. and I and I saw this Odyssey, which was blue, mm. and I wanted it in black. Oh. So I bought a blue Odyssey in cash, uh -huh. told him to paint it for me. 
<laughs> and how much did that cost? Well, so the car was about. It wasn't matte, right? It was like metallic black, or no, no, it was just black, okay. like clear black. But but so the car cost, I think, fifteen grand, U.S. Wow. Right? something like that. Wow. And then the paint job was another three grand. And I was like, why am I wasting three grand on a paint job when I can buy a black car? They sell them in black. <laughs> <laughs> because you can. Exactly. Oh, 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 let's just drop this. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to drink it? Yeah, no, I, I, will, I will have a sip. Yeah, so because of my uh, many, many drunken escapades, I have decided that it's either all or nothing in my case. <laughs> this does smell really nice, though. Well, it's just for the show. I mean, you can just smell right. it if you want. Ah, Cheers. You. Cheers. No, but I... Interesting. Uh, Ooh. It tastes like almond. Almonds. Ooh. It rolls off the tongue, man. Wow. And it just Explodes. spreads. Yeah, and it comes out the nose. and Nice. Ooh. Anyway, this thing, you know, I went in, I thought, I, I didn't know that you actually, you doesn't drink anymore. You stopped drinking, but yeah, <laughs> we're <yeah>. back tonight. <laughs> um, no, wow. I went into the store and looked for something, right? And it's yeah. just like, it was right there. And I was like, holy shit, Chemist, I got to get it. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. My oh. uh, my ancestors will be proud. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So what was the stub- dumbest thing you mm. bought? The dumbest thing, I, you know. Everyone then, always does. You see, that was the thing. I never had a shitload of cash and lumps of sum. To be able to do it. I was always paying the rent and the taxes and the, you know, all the stuff. And by the end right. of it, we'd have a little bit of, you know, whatever I was left over. And that would go to the international school. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah, you're so, screwed there. Yeah. yeah. So Fair I, enough. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, if I, <laughs> if I had received a lump sum cash, I probably would have done something stupid like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing you didn't get that cash in hand. <laughs> Just imagine this, right? Mm. Uh, in 2001, when I won the title, mm. the K1 Japan title, mm-hmm. right? There was a... $70,000 win bonus. Wow. There was a knockout bonus for if you knocked out for like it's 10 grand, I think it was. Wow. So I knocked out the first two guys. I got the win bonus because I won the championship, right? And then I had my fight money, which at the time was about 5 million. So that's another 50 grand. Wow. So in one night. Oh, <laughs> wow. Did you get it? No. <laughs> well, I got you. They pay you like, like a couple of days after the fight, just wow. wired straight into the bank. Wow. My God, it was just like, whoa. Yeah, Ooh. Ooh. I can buy anything I want. Right, I'm wipe my ass with this. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, man. It was wow. really fun though. But I just remember that. I'm, yeah, I remember going from. And then see, then you start thinking about money in a different way. Mm. And you start l- looking at money and then uh, not respecting it. Right. Like yeah. it's just like, and then you'll take all your friends out for dinner or you mm-hmm. do something silly. You know, it's mm. just money just went. Right. I, you know, actually, I, I was I was spending a lot of money on my, on my friends, you know, yeah. taking them out to dinner and treating them and that sort of thing, buying presents, you know, yeah. that, that weren't really necessary, but, you know, just to kind of, you know, keep people yeah. happy kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but in your industry also, it's, it's kind of, you got the, the dark side as well, where you're expecting to be getting a certain amount that you don't, right? Oh, man, or, they screwed me big time there. Contracts and, and you're, you're not the first either. You know, I've, I've heard stories from others as yeah. well, you know. Well, so your percentage is actually fairly good compared to a TIE fighter. You know, Buokka won the, the K1 um, Max World Championships, right? And there was a oh. hundred, I think it was a hundred, that year was a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand win price for it. Mm. And he only got 10% of that. Really? And he also has a separate contract for fight money, of course. And his manager takes 90%. What? And he's happy with that. That's how TIE fighters are. Wow. I guess. You Just know, think you about have to all be... the money he could have made. Yeah. Wow. 
But he was happy because he was able to, even with that 10%, he was able to put his, his sister through school and, mm. and get her a, a proper education. I remember right. they made a documentary about that one time. Wow. It was really interesting, actually. Wow. So, mm. yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've grown over the years and I've, you know, come to appreciate what I have yeah. and not be, you know, too, too greedy or too demanding or too, you know. Your looking. beard has definitely grown, that's for sure. There we go. <laughs> so I'm asking you this because I know you have a little farm around the corner, a little piece of land where you raise yeah. your own organic. Is it organic? It's, it's organic, yeah. No, don't use it. Because you were really getting into the organic vibe there for a while. I was, I was, and I, I still am. Yeah, um, yeah I, I realized, I come, came to the realization um, when... When my first son was born, you know, me and my, my wife um, at the time were basically, you know, we went from convenience, right, convenience store, onigiri, you know, bento foods and whatnot overnight, you know, to natural house, which is in Omotesando, right? All organic food and whatever. And it was just like, honey, what happened? Wow. <laughs> just like, I can't eat that shit anymore. You know, I've, I've got a baby. To, I'm like, whoa. Whoa, 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 Everything's like 10 times more expensive. Wow, exactly, <laughs> right? It's all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I've got to like start spending organic money. Yeah. Yeah. And which, which you know, is, 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 is great. I mean, it's all for a good purpose and a good cause and, and it means something. But I just, you know, from, from one extreme to the other was just, it took a little right. adjustment, you know, it took a little time to adjust. To what did you well. learn? What was the most valuable lesson you the learned? The most from valuable lesson is that there's so much shit in, in regular food and the preservatives, mm. right? And all the, all the, the GMOs and, you know, genetically modified, you know, uh, shit yeah. and 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 the damage that it causes you know to to the body you know realize that it doesn't happen you know overnight but it it, it adds up and it you know it slowly um sediments mm. right over mm. the years and you know before you know it you've got cancer you don't know you know and, and it's something that probably happened 10 years ago from whatever it was that you started eating right you know and and then the amount of sugar that they got in there i mean i i love sugar i i got a sweet tooth but you know there's so many other alternatives I mean, like the artificially made sugars are the worst yeah you know and uh, these things you when you come to the realization of and you do a little bit of research or you get a little bit of an education uh, uh, about these things you come to the realization that you know there are so many natural and good alternatives that you don't have to. Yeah. You know, everything that is made artificially is made, you know, with the purpose of addicting you to continue consuming that particular, you know, like like yeah. like French fries, for example, you know, the big M has <laughs> 14 different ingredients. I made French fries the other night, you know, for my kids, and I only used three ingredients, right? Potatoes, yeah. oil, and salt. That's right. And that's all you need. And the good potato, I mean, the potatoes I use are organic as well. Yeah. And they taste like, Mwah. I made I made chips, yeah. right? I got a slicer, slicer just, just yeah. slicing my chips and throwing in the in the oil. Cool. Right? And then you, you take them out and you let them dry, you know, a little bit of salt. It's better than the, the friggin' packs of chips that I buy. And you look at the back of it, it's got preservatives. Oh, and, yeah. You know, amino oh, yeah. acids and all. It's like, oh, my goodness, all these ingredients just to make chips? <laughs> like, holy crap, you know? Yeah. So when you come to the realization of that, you know, you start shifting a little bit more consciously and, and being a little bit more. I mean, I'm not religious about it. I'm not, you know, fanatic about it. My kids eat junk food all the time. You know, I buy it for them as well. I, I enjoy my little ice cream every now and again. Yeah. But I try when I'm not on a binge to eat as 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 healthily as I as I can, trying to keep my, you know, um, immune system up as yeah. well. You know, you keep your immunity up, I think you can kick COVID's ass. Man, I'm all um, for it, dude. I'm mm. actually really all for it. Uh, I'm 
just recently finished listening to a book. Mm. Um, uh, Isn't by, that funny? Listening to a book. Yeah, no, because now, yeah, no, audio. You know, yeah, yeah, got, yeah. you know, new fiance, you know, she's right, got audio books right. and stuff. And Excellent. I just used to listen to music while I'm driving mm. a car. And mm. then she's like, why don't we listen to books while mm. we're in the car? Because wow. we spend a lot of time going back and forth mm-hmm. in the car. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, it's a great idea. So we listen to two books now. Oh, the first right. one was Shoe Dog mm-hmm. uh, by Phil Knight, who made mm-hmm. Nike. Yeah, how he oh. went from being a, a distributor for Onitsuka Tigers oh. in America. Really? To building his own brand. Wow. Yeah. He basically well, got, Tiger is a good brand. Yeah, but he got betrayed by them, and then he's like, he had the audacity to just like jump and like change everything like instantly. Wow. Very fascinating book, actually. Wow. It's really good. You should definitely check it out. Shoe dog. But now that we were talking about um, organic stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Now just the second book that I just finished listening to was um, by Yvonne. Uh, I can't say his last name, but he's the man who made Patagonia the brand. Oh, okay. So Patagonia's philosophy is all about making the world a better place, mm. doing good. Excellent. And like, but literally standing up to those beliefs and everything. And mm-hmm. so some of the things is, uh, that he speaks about um, is the organic um, versus the green thing, I think mm. it was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's some people that say they think it's organic, but it's right. actually not organic. Right. Uh, so he switched his, uh, uh, all, the, all the, the cotton that they buy is uh, completely organic, which mm-hmm. is like done with proper, you know, not pesticides and not mm-hmm. gen- you know, GMOs, modified yeah, yeah. GMO mm-hmm. stuff. Like. Um, but he also made a food company. And so they're following the same philosophies, but... He says you should always ask the five whys. Uh-huh. Like keep digging, go like uh-huh. shred five you know layers mm-hmm. down, and then mm-hmm. see if it can be better. If there's anything right. that can be done better, mm. and I think with food you really can do it better. Oh yeah, and I spoke in a very uh, in the book. It, it goes on in a quite detail about the um, the benefits mm. of organic farming, for example. Mm-hmm. Like when you're, you know, crop changing and everything, yeah, and yeah. you're keeping the, the earth alive in a yeah, better right. way. You're making better food that's healthier. Mm-hmm. You're actually creating more jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just healthier. For, and there's some of the things he said was absolutely mind-blowing. They had this bison farm in America, for example, wow. where they were experimenting with the, the compost of, of something. I kind of forget mm-hmm. what it was. But by, by changing the topsoil, mm-hmm. if they could change the whole topsoil mm-hmm. of uh, the farms in, in uh, California, for example, mm-hmm. you could get um, lower carbon dioxide you know, re- mm. reduction in the in the whole globally, right. like, uh, like measure it actually. Uh-huh. So I thought it was crazy because they're, they're 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 taxing people in New Zealand, I think it was, or Australia or somewhere. You know, for for cow farts, yeah. <laughs> right? The, the cows are farting too much and they're causing too much, you know, carbon dioxide, and you know, yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. And I listened to this one particular podcast um, about what's happening in the world right now from sources that are actually embedded in in certain places in the deep state and you know, so governments true. and so on. Yeah. I saw on independent media uh, outlet here in Japan that mm. a guy had burned himself alive in Ooh. Shinjuku. Ooh. This is like, I don't know, five, six years ago or something like that. Oh. That never made mainstream media. No. And I was just like, this is crazy. Sadly, yeah. you know, they were building the new f- stuff over there in Shinjuku and mm. he was protesting all by himself and oh, just no. poured gasoline all over himself and burned himself. I was like, what? Yeah. It's, this is Japan. Like, Japan is like one of the safest places in the, in the, in the world, right? Mm. And at the same time, there's always this, you know, bubbling, like, dark water mm. like you know what I'm talking about mm. it's also the, the country in the, in the world with the highest rate of suicides right exactly it's like right. 250 no what is it 25 to 26,000 people on an annual base kill themselves oh in Japan oh my goodness and it's yeah. not it's not you know <laughs> you know honorable no. deaths right it's like people just can't take the shit anymore yeah. but so yeah marijuana should should it be legalized here yes, in Japan yes absolutely absolutely is it going to um, come, do you think, one day? I, I don't know. Is um, there even a petition over here for that? 
No, because every time there is, someone gets slapped or, you know, <laughs> whatever. But Japan actually has a very long history of hemp, huh. right? Whether they, you know, smoked it and got high or not is a different subject. But it it's all, all goes all the way back to the imperial household, right? right? All the, uh, the, 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 the monks... The monks, you know, were the clothes were made from hemp. Right. Right. They had a hemp ceremony. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff, a lot of, you know, textiles and whatnot were made from hemp. Uh, there's even an Asa no Kami mm. in Kyoto dedicated to the hemp god. Interesting. The deity of hemp. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's there are so many, you know, scientific and uh, medical, medicinal. Um, it's 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 a it's a it's a medicinal herb. Yeah, basically. So I don't. Well, you know, what is the CB oil? CBD. CBD. Yeah. CBD. Right now, it comes from the hemp plant, uh, which is also you know direct. What is, does that make you high? To, no, CBD oh. does not have THC. THC uh. is the is the molecule that gets you high, and that's okay. usually in the marijuana plant. Right. The whole the whole plant is marijuana, basically, yeah. but it's, it's it's the hemp category or the marijuana category. Oh. And marijuana has THC, and that gets you high. Hemp usually is, I think, the, the female plant or the male plant, whichever. But that has no THC, and that basically is is also very very beneficial. Mm. So it's basically the same thing with with or without. It's like you know, coffee decaf or with caffeine. Right. And people who don't want to get high will go for the decaf. Yeah. Coffee is a drug. Nicotine is a drug. Right. Look at all the over the counter you know medications that have side effects. Ninety nine point nine of them have side effects. It's true, but right? so I mean, Canada legalizes it. Yeah, you know, Canada has, America, America has, most more America. Than 50, yeah, more than half of America now yeah. legalized it either for you know conventional use or for medicinal use. Yeah, I mean, why um, don't they just follow troop there? <laughs> well, they've, they've followed it so far for everything else, right? Yeah, but you know, if they followed it all of a sudden, I think it would destroy uh, too many. You know, it's like oh. We have aliens among us all of a sudden, right? And it's like, you know, I, I, there were actually, I think I, there was a story of um, military personnel that actually committed suicide because they couldn't take the fact that there were actually aliens, you know, that had been identified. They were just like, it was, it was just too much for the brain to take. Whoa. Because they had been indoctrinated that there weren't aliens and it's all a conspiracy and no, 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 But, you know, when they actually were told of the truth, You know, what, just, what truth is this? The truth is that there are aliens, that they do actually exist, and they are, you know, amongst us even. Um, aliens. Aliens. From outer space. From outer space. We, dude, we're from outer space. <laughs> We are a little teeny weeny friggin' rock that's floating in space. So well, that's true. why can there not be? I mean, to, to think that we are the only existing life form in the universe yeah. is nuts. But that opens up for another conversation, right? Oh. <laughs> This is interstellar, what do you call it? Galactic space yeah, travel, right? Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. We are so far. We're, we're like, you know, we're like chimpanzees compared yeah. to like all these other places, right? Potentially. Coming and right? going, coming and going, right? So why, so why is it not mainstream? Why are the aliens not mainstream? But they are becoming mainstream now, right? And you notice how America is starting to, now they've declassified all the UFO um, documents and stuff. Okay, interesting. Mm, yeah. Interesting. So, I was wondering if you had anything you wanted to share with the Tomodachis today. Any Tomodachis. Stories, stories to share. Anything coming up, any projects? Um, well, no, not really that I can think of the top of my head. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just enjoying life at the moment, you know, being where I am, doing what I do. I wanted to thank you very much no, for coming you. on the show, thank man. You. It's been I do have um, One thing I do have is a, yeah. is a YouTube channel. You know, I'm doing what I really hate doing, which is sitting in front of a TV and playing f games. You're doing um, video games? Yeah. Great. Yeah. I was, on I YouTube? Was, 
yes, it was it was brought to my attention that I probably should do something that I don't like doing, which is a challenge, mm-hmm. commenting on games, oh. uh, because apparently there's a large audience, yeah. and I have you know attempted that, and it's going rather well. Cool. You know, not that I would dedicate my life to it, um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, amongst other things that I've done, which is cooking, I like cooking. Yeah, so I've done uh, some cooking things, but my YouTube channel, um, I'm hoping to expand a little bit more. Do you know? Go out, do some fishing. Um, you know, adventures, meeting people, and you know that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, being a little bit more adventurous. I've uh, got the uh, my uh, Nick farm. and Ange's uh, adventure vlog. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. We're changing the name from Nicholas Pettis' vlog to okay. Nick and Ange's adventures. Nick, Nick yeah. and Ange's adventures. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I see you guys on that mono. What is that? Is, is it's a one wheeler? A one wheeler. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, with your GoPro or whatever it oh, is. Yeah. yeah, just zooming down the street, yeah, man. I was really like, oh, cool. that looks so cool. Really cool. I'd like to try that. Let's do an adventure Absolutely. together one Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Let's go camping or something for, for sure. sure. For sure. Uh Tomo thank you again for watching. That's yes. again, yeah. Um, if you want to support the show even better, go ahead and head over to patreon.com slash the Tokyo Show yeah. and uh, become a super extreme Tomodachi. This was it. Extreme Tomodachi. Thank you, guys. There you go. Thanks a lot. Honor. Thank you, Nicholas. That was really good.